Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Bob Mendelson, and this is the Bob's Your Uncle podcast. Today we speak about Yom Kippur, the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. And what is atonement anyway? Stay tuned. Thanks for joining me for this Bob's Your Uncle podcast, Season 1, Episode 31 of Note the Opinions are Strictly My Own. You can now find us and comment to us wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple iTunes, the list goes on. We have a lot of topics to discuss. Even so, on the Bob's Your Uncle podcast, you are part of the show. We want to see and hear you. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. In the weeks to come, we'll talk about pickleball after the Australian Pickleball Championships just took place. We'll talk about Israel, Iran, wars, rumors of wars. Let's see where the spirit leads us. Whether you're at home, online, on the road with me in your headset at the gymnasium or out for your evening constitutional, wherever you get podcasts, that's where we will be. Thanks for being with us for these 18 minutes. looking for a new sponsor for the podcast. Perhaps you know someone who wants to spend a little money to help us get our message out. Just send me an email or comment on your podcast app. Thanks. On this date in history, 5 October, in 1947, U.S. President Harry S. Truman delivered the first televised White House address as he spoke on the world food crisis. And during the War of 1812, a British army with some 1,000 Native American allies under the famed leader Tecumseh was defeated by U.S. troops in the Battle of the Thames in what is now Ontario, Canada. Tecumseh was killed on this date and ending a fabled career of attempting to unify Native American forces and tribes. Tecumseh was born in what is now Ohio sometime in 1768, and he was a Shawnee. He and the British had beaten the Americans in Detroit in 1812, but they fell on this date in 1813, and that's the historical marker of the week.
Today is day 10, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the year 5783. It dates back to the beginning of the Bible. Yes, that's what I said. Not millions of years, just thousands. Today's the Day of Atonement. It was always weird for me when I grew up. I attended synagogue several times a week, but this particular day was unique. The rabbi and the chazan wore white, I mean white robes, even white sneakers, sneakers. Imagine, they always wore like we all did, dark, almost school shoes, tied up, but sneakers? <laughs> this was unusual. And the rabbi or his brother, the cantor, would kneel on the ground and prostrate themselves before the holy ark. What? Jews don't kneel, I always thought. But here they were, kneeling and then face to the ground. Humility, they told me later, but to me it was weird. And today, now decades later, as I reflect on it, it was without parallel in the prayer actions of our people. Of course, we fasted as well. Yeah, 25 hours from just before sunset to just after sunset the next day. I got to tell you, as a teenager, since I didn't fast as a preteen before my bar mitzvah, I, I didn't need to follow that regulation. But as a teenager, fasting for more than four hours, <laughs> it was interminable. I remember one of my teenage years and the long, really long prayers of Yom Kippur. At our synagogue, we had the upstairs sanctuary with the soft cushioned seats for the adults, and then the brown train and auditorium for those who, well, had less funds. And I remember that's where my parents sat. But the teenagers, we all had our own service. So we were down in uh, wherever that room was and whatever it was titled at the time. And our prayers didn't last as long as the adults. Okay, so ours got out early, say one o'clock in the afternoon instead of two o'clock like my parents. Well, like I said, I'd been fasting and I was starving, as all good teenagers would say. And right around the corner from our synagogue over on Myron Rock Hill, was a fairly new fast food hamburger joint called Smacks. And they had hamburgers for 19 cents. Okay, you got what you paid for, but still it was something. And I had probably 25 cents. I had a quarter in my pocket. You know, you're not allowed to carry money as an Orthodox Jew on the Sabbath and on holidays like this, and certainly not on Yom Kippur. What if you might spend that money on things or stuff or, uh-oh, food? Well, sure enough, I did, and I got one of those single hamburgers with ketchup and pickles and probably onion and downed it as fast as a man could, you know, because I was starving and walked back uh, having licked my lips and wiped my mouth and thought, you know, okay, I'll be good. I'll be good. That'll get me through six o'clock or eight o'clock or whatever time it was going to be when we finished and we got back home. I walked upstairs to the brown training and 
And uh, there were my parents, duly sitting, duly standing, duly sitting, duly standing, and praying. And, and I joined them. Many of the young people joined their parents for a short while after they'd been dismissed from the youth service. My mother looked at me, probably smelling me before she ever saw anything, and said, did you go get something to eat? And I said, oh, no, where, no, uh-uh. With all due innocence and this professional acting face that I have, and she looked and pointed down at my long white shirt sleeve, which was sticking out of my suit jacket. And there was some ketchup stain on the freshly laundered white shirt. Where did that come from? She said, not only seeing the ketchup stain, but probably smelling the onions and the greasy hamburger. And I knew right then that I'd been caught out. I knew right then that the guilt that I felt in spending that 20 cents hmm, was unmatched by the guilt of being caught out there in synagogue where I was confessing my sins and beating my breast and saying I'm sorry for all the sins and wrongdoing I'd done over the course of time. It was embarrassing. It was strenuous. It was painful and I felt unforgiven. But besides personal anecdotes from decades ago, what is it to me today? What can Yom Kippur be for you today? After all, listening to the podcast is okay now and then, but if I don't make this pod about you, I will lose you. My purpose in making these weekly 18 minutes with you is to benefit you. When we're done and dusted, how can I help you gain happiness or gain a sense of satisfaction? My goal is to use story and questions and to help you gain a sense of the divine and to live in the joy of the Lord. Seriously, that's what I intend. Feel free to let me know how this is working out for you. Back to Yom Kippur. The Jewish religion changed over time, like most religions and most political parties, most families, most governments, really all institutions change. The major changes happened in Judaism in 70 to 90 of the Common Era after the temple in Jerusalem, which had been our home for a thousand years, was destroyed and the people of Israel and Judah were displaced. The exile of 586 or so BCE was the most significant event in Jewish history for a thousand years until the birth, death, and resurrection of the Messiah. But we'll talk about that again another time. Today we're talking about Yom Kippur. I've told you a little about my history with it. Back in Bible days, I guess back when Moses and Aaron were alive, 1500 BCE or so, there was all kind of activity at the tabernacle. There were priests and there was a high priest, in that case Aaron, and later on his third son took over. And there was uh, offerings of bulls and goats, and there was a goat that was sent out into the wilderness, nicknamed 
an scapegoat, or later we call it scapegoat. There was one that was sacrificed. There was blood. There was sprinkled blood all over the place. There was the mysterium of the Holy of Holies, and that only Aaron could go in there once a year. He couldn't. They carried this this traveling tent around all year, and only one time of the year Aaron could go into that one little room. It was pitch black. There was nothing in there, no lights. At least in the holy place, the sanctuary, there was a menorah with seven branches and beautiful lights. But there were no lights in the holy of holies, what Andrew Murray called the holiest of all. Into that room, Aaron had to come He had to bring in the altar of incense, which was only brought in once a year. He had to cross by a veil so that he slid like a bathroom curtain. Um, the, The veil was slid back. It was about four inches or 10 centimeters. And he brought blood. And he, mind you, he's 83 years old when he starts the program in the in the wilderness. So he's a fairly, sorry, older fella who's learning the ropes and he's trying to sprinkle the blood on the altar in the right way and he's trying to say prayers and make atonement for himself, the Bible says, and for his family or his household and then for all the house of Israel. That is uh, that there are millions of people. He's going to be busy that day. They ended up this ceremony where he would lay his hands on the goat and pray over it, if you will, all the sins of all the people of Israel for the whole year. And then they got rid of it. As I said, religions change over time, and certainly this ceremony no longer takes place, not since 70 CE, after the temple was destroyed. In 90 CE, we had a conference in Jamnia, Yavne, if you will, And it was determined there that three things could substitute for the sacrificial system since we couldn't sacrifice anymore. So we had prayers and repentance and tzedakah, good good deeds or charity, were the substitutes. But the problem is that the Torah gives specific instructions. And for us to dismiss it and say, well, 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 we've got to change is all well and good. I mean, you can invent your own religion. You'll probably get some tax credits if you do, but that doesn't mean you get what God promised you. In fact, when I think about it, if you don't do what God said to do in the book, you can't be sure that you're going to receive what God promises you. In fact, if I would have conducted an exit poll tonight at the end of Ne'ilah, the final closing prayers, the standing prayers, the I'm exhausted prayers at the end of the Day of Atonement, services all over the world, right here in Sydney and wherever you live. I'm guessing that if I would have conducted a man on the street, hi, can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you feel forgiven? Most Jewish people I know would say, well, it'd be nice, or wouldn't it be good, or I hope so, or no, I'm not sure, or I don't believe I needed forgiveness, or I don't believe God can forgive me, or I'm, in fact, forgiving him for failing to save us in the Holocaust. We have all kinds of answers, but really it would be a, if you will, if it were a one-word sentence, forgiven, there would be a question mark at the end. Not a full stop, but a real question, a doubt. Uh, It'd be nice. 
But if you ask a Messianic Jew like me, a Jew who believes Yeshua is the Messiah and the one who on him was placed all the sins of the world, just like that goat back in Bible days. And if you ask us who believe that he is our mediator, just like Aaron was the mediator back in the tabernacle. If you ask us if we feel forgiven, that one word sentence forgiven, uh, we'd erase the question mark and we'd rub it out and put in its place an exclamation mark, forgiven because of what Yeshua did. Not because we're so epis, not because we've done great things or we've knelt or not eaten our smacks hamburger. No, we're forgiven because of what God has done in sending his son Yeshua, Jesus, to die for us. God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you have a comment or question? Do you agree with us? Hit us up on bobmendo at aol.com or on Twitter or Instagram on at bobsyourunclepc and we'll read your views next week. Don't forget to post a review on iTunes or Spotify wherever you're listening and share our podcast with your mates, your friends, everyone. Thanks for helping us get known out there. Also, please follow the podcast and hit like as well. We can use all the good speak we can get. Next week, we'll be sitting in a sukkah and talking about tabernacles and temporary dwellings. Don't miss out on that one. Until then, from me, Bob Mendelson, when things seem bleak or uncertain, look up to God. He's in his heaven. And Bob's your uncle. Shalom from Sydney. Sydney.